Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy Smash Adventure Path. <laughs> as, as we may have uh, implied towards the ending of the last episode, and as more likely not you're aware, since there is an episode title on this that is not Mummy's Mask episode 163, we have started a side story. Now, as uh, many of you are aware, there's been a, a side story going on in the background. I believe at the beginning of the uh, the pandemic last year, we started a side story with the uh, the faded with Segura after having left the doorkeepers way back in, God, I think that was like episode 70, 71, something like that. It was way back in the day. Ish, yeah. We have decided that we have probably left all of you waiting long enough. However, we are not focusing today on the adventures of... Segura, and instead, the continued adventures of Falto. Now, as you can obviously hear, I am joined by one Mr. Jordan Jenkins. Hey! I am also joined by breakout star of the Faded Tales, Mr. Ross Scoggins. (laughs) (laughs) What are you laughing at? (laughs) Forget the the fact that he's on our our other shows, you know, just breakout star of Faded Tales. (laughs) Hello! Breakout star of Faded Tales. I guess. Well known like for his uh, work in the uh, the Hell's Rebels adventure path. Mm. Flying under the radar, maybe for some, but for those uh, those intrepid few who have taken the dive into Tyrant's Grass, phenomenal adventure. Also well known to the people there. Hello, Ross. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. So good of you to join us. Our not-so-guest guest star, Ross. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Fortunately, Ross's agent is very difficult to negotiate with, and so... Uh, Yes. We had scheduling conflicts like mad. Y'all wouldn't even believe it. That's <laughs> true. <Sure. laughs> Educating the masses. <laughs> so, yeah, we are back once again. I suppose we should just kind of jump into things, shall we? Sounds good. I'm for it. Previously on Faded Tales, all the rest of that stuff, you can really just see the last episode because there was a fairly good recap there. However, uh, that ended as the doorkeepers of the Duat stepped aboard their magical floating sand dune boat. And then gently made their way up the Crook River off to go face off against the uh, the horrors of the slave trenches of Hakatep and hopefully bring down more flying pyramids as they just brought down one. Fifteen more to go. Falto had left the city with his father as well as his two traveling companions. Two pathfinders sent here to... Again, everyone seems to be mostly aware, a uh, quick reminder that Falto is not necessarily on the best terms with the Pathfinders, uh, as he did uh, basically steal from the Grand Lodge before fleeing Absalom to go in pursuit of his father, who had been missing for two decades. Close to. About 16 years. So as we begin, our story continues in the city of On. Let me cue up a little dramatic music to have some dramatic music. I bet I did. Ooh, dramatic. For those who haven't looked at the map, On, A-N. Yes. Mm. I, in my head, for the first, like, three books, it was A-U-N, and I looked at the map. Nope. I guess it could be pronounced Ann, but I felt Ann sounded that's, a Okay, bit. that's the Texas pronunciation of that. Ann. Right? Ann. That's, that's how, <laughs> if, if, if somebody in Texas, we showed them that, they'd be like, Ann. Ann. We're going to go down to Ann. I, I was trying my best not to think of Amun. Amun, I believe, is Amun? the, yeah, is the Forgotten Realms city, right? That is, I that think. could be wrong. I think you're close. I think there might be an H in that, though. Yeah. But it's been a while. Yeah. (laughs) But our story continues in the city of On, commonly referred to as the City of Triangles. Now, some of our listeners may be somewhat familiar with this. It's also known as the City of Citrus Birth, as well as the city that you had all passed through briefly during the events of 
the fate it tells. <laughs> the city of Triangles is the largest of the three sister cities on Tefu and Wati. On is a, uh, a metropolis boasting a population about uh, 38,000 or so. Oh my God. So about Jeez. a third the size of uh, Sothis, but I believe the second largest city in Osirian. Maybe a peck <laughs> is close, but close to that. Dang. It is a shockingly cool day in the middle of summer, unseasonably cool in the city of On. And as our story begins, the sun rises over the eastern horizon behind the shining mountains that make up the eastern skyline view from the city. A man stands in an open rooftop garden, a small fountain behind him bubbling with water, greenery and pots and planters around the outside edge of the rooftop. The man turns back as he hears the footsteps of two people approaching. The man Falto to his friends and pretty much everyone. <laughs> Nobody last names Falto. Turns back to his compatriots. His hair, once exceptionally well-trimmed and cut since his time in the desert grown long enough that while his bangs fall free into his face, it is tied back in the back into a very small ponytail. I see somebody else has been in quarantine. Yes. <laughs> He's been living that quarantine life for a while. The man wearing a, a combination of clothing that would seem almost comical on most people, but it seems almost debonair on this gentleman. A combination of Taldane or Absalonian styles in his coat and leggings, combined with accents of a scarf and cape from, uh, from local fare. The man turns as his two compatriots approach. Good morning. Hoping that either of you got better sleep than me. Would the two of you care to describe your characters? And go ahead and give some names, since of course Volto already knows the names. It's true. I suppose I will go first then. All right. So, for this little side story, I will be playing Jean-Louis Rousseau. And Jean-Louis is about five foot nine, um, looks to be almost in his 30s. Um, at this point, he's probably got quite the tan from just being out, but he's a brown-haired, brown-eyed boy. I say boy, he's like 29. <laughs> he is uh, outfitted with probably the most noticeable thing is his cassock. It is a gaudy affair as he openly displays the silver and gold threaded outfit bedecked with the key symbol of Abadar, oh, identifying dear. him as a priest. Underneath that, he has what honestly looks like rather plain traveling clothes in the Osiriani style with a breastplate over it. Um, on his back, a um, light crossbow on his hip, heavy mace, and he has a shield um, there as well as uh, his handy haversack. Um, around his uh, wrists are some blue kind of like spiked gauntlets. Um, hmm. He looks like the kind of person, like he's he looks pretty bulky. Like he looks like for a cleric, he's got some muscle on him, but he's like one of those guys who never hit leg day. So he's got that kind of like triangle body. So like he's like bulky <laughs> up top and he gets thinner as it goes to like his legs. <laughs> like some sort of Pixar character. A little bit. He, yeah, he's a little bit. Mr. Incredible? <laughs> he's, a yes. little, he's a little Mr. Incredible. <laughs> Before his retirement and the, mm. the dad bod sets in. I was mm. going to say, yeah, this is pre dad bod. Yep. Mm. Mr. Rasul. <laughs> All right. I suppose uh, for my character, his name is Isaac Bishop, known to Falto, but perhaps not known to all of you until I just said it right now. Uh, <laughs> see here, Isaac see the is... Show notes. Yes. <laughs> well, also that. 
I mean, there's plenty of ways for you to have found out ahead of time, but uh, here more, we are. More likely than not, the show notes will just be a bunch of question marks, so people will find out. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Isaac is a half-elven man um, standing just at six feet tall. He is a rather sinuous individual. While he is fit, he's more toned than muscular. His dark black hair is slicked back in a much longer ponytail that goes down to about mid-back. He also seems to have an almost permanent stubble that just no amount of shaving seems to get rid of. Less than the... I'm slightly... I'm slightly All I can think of was the Homer Simpson shaving, and then he looks back up in the mirror, and the beard's back. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot less, you know, this sort of, like, sexy, unkempt look, and a lot more, yeah, I just forget to shave sometimes, and then I kind of have to go and back and do it. So, He's also uh, been living the quarantine life. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Why did we make quarantine characters? <laughs> We've been locked inside for so long. <laughs> no, this is normal. This is how people look now. This is how people are in the world of mm-hmm. Galarian. Uh, yeah, he wears uh, mostly light clothing. Um, it does seem to be heavily Absalonian in style, but at the very least, he seems to have picked mostly lighter colors so as to not absorb too much heat. The look is somewhat ruined with the massive mithril breastplate that he wears over him. Uh, oh, you got mithril as well? I also got a mithril breastplate. Good job. Wow. All right. Twinsies. Twinsies. <laughs> I, mean, I guess you guys saved a, like a dwarven prince or something someday. <laughs> Must have. Yeah. I mean, when you got like, what, what was the what was the bill? 46,000 gold or something to spend is like 8,000. <laughs> 4,000 for Mithril, sure. If Falto comments on it, it's like, oh, yes, we'll have to tell you about the case of the the Dwarven pickaxe. <laughs> it's in our Chronicle book. The, the case of the of the Mithril theft and how we <laughs> were gifted breastplates. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, his primary armament seems to be a bow that's strapped to his back. Um, he also has a single quiver of arrows, which seems somewhat odd. Only 20 are readily apparent. Uh, beyond this, uh, he also actually has a cestus in his right hand, also oh, nice. made of mithril. So, in case you, you know. got to punch somebody with your uh, with your bow, you never know. You know, it's, it might as well be you prepared. Never know. Right? Go full green arrow with it. And uh, yeah, otherwise, um, he probably looks somewhat blearily around at Falto and Jean Louis. No, I'm afraid I had a dreadful night last night. Mm, likewise, it was. Loud. And yes. this is from somebody coming from Absalom. Yeah, I thought... I don't know why I thought that the screams keeping people up was an exaggeration. I, no, turns out. It just goes all throughout the night. It doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense. A fourth voice comes from the entryway as the form of Rubert. Again, like Falto, but given 20 years and completely gray. Much in that gray fox kind of way, where he's still shockingly handsome for a man who's apparently spent 20-something years, almost 20 years, in hiding. We, we in haven't desert. cast him, but I'm thinking Pierce Brosnan. Mm. He's just kind of mm, gray, but yeah. it's the still like chiseled jawline. Fair. Not quite uh, old man Captain America from the end of Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we put as many prosthetics on you to make you look as old as possible. Yep. Mm. Robert steps out into the sunlight. You know, squints, shades his eyes for a moment before letting them adjust. Again, Robert is a man in his, you think, mid-50s, despite having spent the last 16, 17 years in hiding. He is fit and trim. 
that of a man who has never let himself go a day without preparation, you suppose, for what is to come. Hmm. Not just preparation, of course, in his own swordsmanship, but his magic as well. Uh, since there's a great deal of magic floating around, with the exception of Falto. <laughs> it's not surprising. The nighttime, the issues, the screaming. Robert makes his way to the edge of the roof, staring out over the city. The cold. Again, it is currently Artis, I believe. It's We're currently in a desert, so it's hot. You're currently an artist, which is the equivalent of August. Mm. Hmm. That being said, uh, even when you arrived here yesterday, the high yesterday was in the low 60s. Oh, Fahrenheit, I assume. Yes. Oh, dear. No, the opposite. Low 60s Celsius. Celsius. We're boiling. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> One of those really extreme deserts. <laughs> We're in Death Valley. <laughs> oh, God, no. Why? But this time of year anything below 80 would be considered to be a cold front. Mm. It is unseasonably cold. It's another sign of his passing. Robert looks over the city, the crawling chaos, his touches upon this place. For a moment, he stares into the distance in the way that you've caught him doing. You are aware that Robert has been closer than any possibly living person to the shining trapezohedron. He has admitted to both of you his reticence to even have either of the Pathfinders here due to the concern that you may take it and be willing to use it as opposed to his view of it must be found, the stone must be found, the creature that once was bound inside of it rebound and then it must be hidden or destroyed that look though reminds you of the fact that this is an object of temptation. For a long moment he stares out into the city we should not expect to find rest here but it's unfortunate the beds are quite comfortable Robert smiles, leaning up against one of the potted trees. Falto looks over the two of you. Step one is to find Sagira. Knowing her, she's... No, I didn't know her particularly well. But she always struck me as a, a dog with a bone type. Mm. If you get my meaning. Although she actually is more of a cat person. Generally <laughs> speaking. Also, she has a big cat. Jean-Louis just looks over at Isaac with, Oh no, here he goes again. <laughs> that, that look. And his bizarrely symmetrical person. Like, unnaturally so. Intriguing. Um, In a way, they will stand out? I mean, I think the cat might stand out more. But yes, that should also stand out. What sort of cat? Panther, about yay high. He puts his hand down towards the ground. Pretty high off the ground, as far as you're concerned. So we're looking for a large panther. Interesting. Mm. Well, if she's not from here, we should check the in-rooms. That's a likely place for her to be. She has to sleep somewhere. Hmm. Just from what I've heard of her, she seems like a bit of a go-getter. Perhaps um, if we don't find her there, we might begin trying to look for where we think this cult might be. Robert nods. I've heard word of them before. They call themselves the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. Samir seems to have built up a following around him. Check around, see what we can find. Right. Is there anything we can do for the citizens to stop the nightmares? Falto looks back out to the city. If this, uh, Nirla, he starts to speak as his father snaps up. Do not speak his name. Not this close to him. The Black Pharaoh, the Crawling Chaos, the Black Man of the Desert, any of these monikers are fine. But this close to him, we do not wish to invite his attention. He has evaded me for 16 long years. His hand instinctively drops to his side, the pouch where he carries the cask of raw. The only object that would be able to contain the creature once it's returned back to the trapezohedron. Right, so the Black Pharaoh, getting rid of him 
should solve the problems here? I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it's going to be quite so easy as stuffing him into a small stone, but I suppose we'll have to find out. One problem at a time. No, more likely than not it won't be. But I was expecting to do this alone, so my odds, in my opinion, have quadrupled since Mm. the three of you have joined me. Let us work on this together, then. Suppose we could start in the common room and then branch out from there. My understanding of the Black Pharaoh is he is a... He smiles in almost a morbidly humorous sort of way. He is a consummate showman. Hmm. He will not bury himself or remain hidden. Hmm. My knowledge of the Black Pharaoh is that he has a certain theatricality to him. Well then, let us hope that's his undoing. And that he shows evidence of his passing. This will let us circle the wagons around him. Maybe plan an ambush. Well, fortunately, showing signs of his passing should be inescapable. Reality does not accept his existence. He gestures to the air as a cold breeze goes over all of you. Mm. In the words of the local people, he has disturbed the balance of Maad. The scales are tipped towards chaos. Mm. Well then, that sounds like something that we should handle after breakfast. I do try my best to not fight ancient evils before I've had at least a few flapjacks, yes. John Luis just shrugs and then flicks the uh, clear spindle iron stone that's around him. Aquadid? I do not fight evil until after at least my first glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) And a nasty garrette. Yep. Making your way down to the common room of the Sly Sphinx, the end room that you're staying at here and on, you find that it is currently full of a variety of merchants as you've chosen one of the, not the nicest, but not the slummiest of the inns here. Falto, in his experience, and in both of your experiences, this is kind of where you want to go. You never want to go for the most expensive in rooms. Honestly, you're usually overcharged. And secondly, you're usually with people that look down their nose at adventurers like you. Or you you make a target because you're the wealthy adventurers. Mm. Yeah. But you never want to go to the bottom, the rob-you-while-you-sleep kind of inns. Instead, you find a nice medium here, which is usually where the merchants stay. Judging by the expressions of most of the people here, you're getting the feeling that everyone probably had as unpleasant of a night as the two of you did. Isaac, in your case, the evening had just been disturbed often, in large part by the man who slept on the other side of the wall next to your bed, Mm. who woke up screaming at least three times. Jean, fortunately, you were further away, although you did have to deal with the sound of distant screaming. Maybe a little more disturbing for you were the nightmares. Fun. There was nothing inherently like it'd be something that were you to explain to your companion you would honestly feel a little bit sheepish about considering it a nightmare Mm -hmm. you were just in an open white plain snow or ash you're not sure while a moon tinted green by some miasma shined down and this disconcerting sensation that behind these dunes or drifts whichever they were There was something always there. You never saw anything truly terrifying, but the feeling of it didn't leave you. And you started up keeping yourself as a seasoned adventurer from screaming as you did from the dream. That's what my plus two versus fear will get you. No screams, just probably one of those. I'm sure it was one of those you woke up and went over and like double checked to make sure like the door and your window were both locked. Compulsively check to make sure like the dagger under the pillow is still there and yeah. like, you know. 
You check yeah. under your bed, you check the closet real quick, and then it's like every 30 minutes you'd wake up thinking you've heard something and you had to get back up and check and make sure the door's still locked. Yep. Sounds Paranoid not adventurer. You're not really paranoid if someone is actively out to kill you, which may or True. may not be the case right now. Yeah, we're not sure. This seems to be just a blanket effect. You make your way down to the common room, which is a large, spacious affair. Two pillars hold up the ceiling overhead, and surrounding the rest of these room are a number of tables. Most of these are tables that you'd be more accustomed to seeing outside of Osirian. These are common circular tables with uncomfortable chairs that surround them in a way that is much more fashionable further to the north. Mm. A man sits behind the one counter here. It's not really a bar so much as this is more of an eatery and breakfast place than it really is a tavern. Mm. However, the common room is filled with a number of people whispering or talking to one another in furtive tones. Robert nods to the three of you, the two of you and Falto, and goes to secure you a table. You have a simple breakfast. Flapjacks, I think, was uh, on the menu for somebody. <laughs> Yay, they actually nice. have them. Now with extra sand. Ooh. Make yourself comfortable. Uh, Falto enjoys his, uh, his usual breakfast of fruit. Hmm. As you finish, you look about the room, and I suppose Falto nods. Well, we should probably start here and maybe make our way out into the markets, see what we can find. Something to point us in the right direction. I mean, if this cult that you have mentioned came by, there should be stories of a large number of people. Those many people will not go unnoticed. Hopefully. I assume panthers aren't common to the region either. Uh, exceptionally common, no. From what I gathered, there are leopards around here. And apparently, I didn't know, panthers are just leopards. Intriguing. I did not know that either. But then why do they call them panthers and not leopards? Doesn't Spots. make any sense to me. Falter rubs his chin. <laughs> when in the entire not party has no knowledge nature. Not a single one of us with knowledge nature. nature, so it's like, <laughs> eh, eh. Who knows? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I say we, uh, we scatter, see what we can find out, don't start anything too dangerous, and then meet back up here, say, at noon. Sounds well. like a plan. Robert nods. You'll forgive me, gentlemen, but I'm going to see if I can manage a little bit more sleep. Canvassing a city's activity for a younger man than me. Not a problem. Rest up. He nods, stands to his feet. Falto watches him with some degree of concern. We should keep an eye on him. I wish you would just let the three of us deal with this. I've heard from your own reputations, of course, that uh, your skill with archery. He nods towards Isaac. Your skill with magic. He nods to Jean-Louis. Should carry us through. Both the two of you are spoken rather highly of in the Grand Lodge. <laughs> the very least by some of the uh, the venture captains there. Oh, so he knew us before? He knew of you. Okay. Mm. You guys are, again, ninth level Pathfinders, so yeah. you're fairly well known in the Lodge. Keep mm. in mind that when he left the Lodge, he was about third. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think even like Yondo Klein is like 10 or 11 total or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you're up there, you know, you're not seeker-level pathfinders or anything no. like that, but you're, you're pretty respectable in your capabilities. Right. So, uh, we'll scatter through the city and see what we can find. Of course. Meet back here at noon, and until then, be careful, everyone. Mm. Can do. Jean-Louis will just kind of, like, gesture down to his robes as his cassock just blanks and just goes kind of this dull tan. Hmm. 
I'm going information gathering. I'm not going to just pretend to be a priest of, uh, or I'm not going to be a priest of. Uh, <laughs> be like, uh-oh, he's going to get me in a line. Man. I think Jordan just slipped up there. I've been pretending the whole time. <laughs> he's like secretly, I'm a secretly, priest of Rasmir. Yes, exactly. Oh, hell, no. God. <laughs> you just start the combat, and he just pulls down a mask. Oh no! He's just got like 15 wands strapped to his forearm, oh, and like God. various like spring-loaded things. Oh, so you can be like, ah, yeah, slide. Written, just wrist sheaths for days. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's on like a Keep rotating barrel. <laughs> like a little Gatling gun of wands. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, yes, oh, I am man. a priest. Ha ha. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do yes. magic. The two of you make your way off into the city of On. On is a beautiful city, artistically speaking. Although it's also a city that for years has dealt with an oppressive government and a growing crime problem. It is on the great, on the old, on the terrible city of unnumbered crimes. Oh, dear. That's a lot of things. That notwithstanding, though, again, the city is beautiful, constructed of these red brick buildings. They give it a very distinctive appearance and a repeat pattern. As you can see, the three pyramids outside of on from almost any point in the city and the nearby shining mountains, which are themselves oddly angular. Hmm granting the city its name of the City of Triangles. The local people have adopted this tradition, and therefore on the side of many of these large red brick buildings are painted beautiful yellow triangle designs like pyramids, hmm. often timed in a repeating motif which covers the edge of the upper portion of the building or sometimes along the side, giving the entirety of this place an almost fantastical painting appearance, this beautiful city hiding this dark underbelly of crime. Hmm. Let's go ahead and get some dice rolling, shall we? Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've chosen an amazing group, uh, an amazing pair to pursue this with. This is, uh, <laughs> we're we're going to be coming back empty-handed and Falto's going to be telling us what happens. <laughs> so go ahead and have both of you roll me a diplomacy check to gather some information. Oh, diplomacy, huh? Oh, <laughs> that roll, eh? Hey, I rolled high. <laughs> Good for you, because I rolled a four for a six. Oh. Oh, no. Really uh, should I rolled... put a rank in diplomacy. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I rolled an 18 for a 19. Okay. There's hope for us yet, Ross. Woo! The two of you split off. Journey about the city. Explore for some times. Isaac, you hit the market of Naken. Speak to some of the, the locals there. Take a look at one of the, the local Fletcheries just to, you know, just to check out some of the local wares and whether or not you need to restock. I have craft bow making, so it's, so it's probably a point of just professional pride just to take a look and see what people elsewhere are doing. Oh, yeah. Nice. You journey down there, speak with the, the local Fletchers, talk to some of the local merchants. Manage to find some useful information. Hmm. Jean-Louis, you travel around, uh, almost immediately get lost. Ask some of the, the local town guards for some directions of what they mostly just blow you off. Uh, do you speak Osiriani? No. <laughs> so you ask them in your your Galton-accented Taldane for directions before they just kind of blow you off. <laughs> Talk about Wander around mode. for a while. <laughs> you ask a few questions, although to be perfectly honest, a vast majority of your questions aren't necessarily about what's going on, so much as hoping to find your way back to your inn by the time... <laughs> That you reach midday. It was the room with the triangles. The building had triangles on it. <laughs> <laughs> All the triangles. 
Do you not? Yeah. I'm making the triangle symbol with my hands. <laughs> These <laughs> symbols right here. Just like point to the painting right there. No, 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 not that one. It, it's uh, it's yes, the Abad. building's right there. About the key, the key, the key. Abada. Huh? Yes. No. <laughs> to be fair, it is actually a, a mostly lawful neutral city, but nice. there is that my going people. for you. <laughs> lawful neutral with so much crime. Well, it's more just the corrupt government. Mm. Ah, good old corrupt government. Yep. Eventually, though, the two of you manage to return. Isaac, you return first. Make yourself comfortable before eventually Jean-Louis makes his way in. I imagine the two of you have a quick drink considering how, like, parched Jean-Louis is after wandering around. I got my I got my clear spindle eye in stone, so I don't need oh, to eat or go. drink. And I've got uh, Ender Elements, so I'm not hot. It's also not that hot. I would like something also to that. drink. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a clear spindle eye in stone, so... I was thinking Eventually, ahead. just before noon, Falto makes his return. Gives all of you a smile and a nod. Huh. Before settling down at the same table, you know, gesturing over towards the serving girl who is literally falling asleep on her stool next to the mm. the counter. Before she comes over and provides him with a, a mug. So, he says, slurping some of his beer. Hmm. I managed to find out a decent amount of information, which is Good. actually a new one for me. Usually people don't actually care to talk to me. He says, looking over his, like, completely armored form covered in weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about me screams unsafe? I don't understand. <laughs> but um, I think that I have a bit of a lead on our, on our cult. A group calling hmm. themselves the Brotherhood of Black Man came out of the desert uh, about four weeks ago. Nobody was certain who they were. They'd never seen them before, but a number of people here have flocked to their group. They spoke of a black pharaoh, which at that point, Isaac nods somewhat like, uh, this sounds familiar to all of us, I assume. I imagine you all kind of lean in a little bit as you start like dropping black pharaoh names. Yeah. yeah. Who had risen up out of the darkness uh, 27 centuries ago and had brought with him messages from places beyond this world. Um, they've purchased a, hmm. quite a few things uh, from the markets here, mostly glass and metal, um, and have combined them into strange instruments. They have done a number of apparently science exhibitions, uh, which leaves the spectators speechless. We're looking for evil scientists? That's what it seems to be, Yes. Apparently, this has impressed a number of the locals, though nobody... While it has impressed them and a number of people want to know more, they don't seem like a wholesome group, if you catch my drift. Hmm. I mean, that would match up with what I found in the city, which was a lot of pickpockets. On the plus <laughs> side, I think I learned the, the Osiriani word for... key. You know, we do really need to brush up on your Osiriani while you're here. I could tutor you if you wish. I think that would be wise. Considering that uh, they guard, they would not talk to me. Uh, yes, I wonder why. And also, uh, I could not read these three signs, so I got lost. And doing this, he like makes a triangle motion. Didn't seem to tell them where I was trying to go. Realize there are triangles just about everywhere here, right, Jean Louis? Wait, what? With my uh, with he my points over to the wall where there's an entire wall that's just a mural of triangles. With my seven perception, he's just like, huh. <laughs> No wonder they couldn't understand me. <laughs> I will be clear next time. I mean, to be fair, Osiriani is a hard language. It took me a while to become the master of the language that I am. Mm. Balto smiles. Balto's actually, <laughs> Osiriani now. 
He does. <laughs> Not particularly well, but... <laughs> nice. Well, he's speaking it better than me, so, you know. You speak it had a whole argument that the reason that Falto can't adhere to the 25 words of uh, sending spells is oh, because, because he's, he doesn't he's understand transla- it. He's, yeah. he's taking it, translating it from Osiriani to Taldane, and then back from Taldane to Osiriani, and apparently mm-hmm. it adds a few words in there. The wor- yeah, the word count doesn't match up. Well, uh, I happen to actually meet with uh, a woman who says that she's been to some sort of gathering that these this brotherhood has done. Her name was Lanya. She spoke of trying to meet the Dark Man. Did she do so? She said that she saw him from a distance. That sometimes he comes to these gatherings. Hmm. She said he was she was taken in by his power. That he was fascinating. That he hmm. prophesied things beyond belief. And that his devices took the sparks from the eyes of those who were touched by them and filled them with his darkness. And if that is can, it is something that can be observed, that is powerful magic indeed. Hmm. I don't like the sound of that, though. No. She said that they get together and gather every evening. A procession that goes through the streets. That they gather after dark in the market of Nanken. Hmm. Hmm. Did she say anything about their numbers? No, but from what she was saying, it sounds like there was a large crowd of them. Hmm. She said something, though, that that those most devoted to the Brotherhood are taken into the temple. And then, as much as I just recently said, my Osiriani is great, uh, I didn't quite understand. They're ushered into his presence on black wings. It sounds like some sort of creature. Maybe it, it flies them to him? Or maybe he flies in on some sort of creature? Wait, wasn't the form... um not that of a pharaoh, but of some sort of creature that they talked about. This haunter of the dark. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. Maybe he can go between the two forms. Maybe. Uh, plenty of creatures can. I mean, werewolves, for instance. So, what do you guys think about hitting up the market tonight? <laughs> I was just wondering the same thing. I mean, if they're not going to try to hide, we might as well get it over with. Maybe they can take us to the the big guy himself, and again, if they're being this obvious, I can't imagine that that Sagira and them haven't noticed. You didn't hear anything about this panther? I asked around. They said that there was some strange group of people asking similar questions. She said that I wasn't the first one that spoke to her. Hmm. That there was some sort of, some tall woman and some other woman completely covered, except for her eyes. Hmm. Hmm. So it would appear that if this is Sagira, Sagira has friends. I mean, she's not necessarily the most friendly person, but... <laughs> well, I mean, to travel to the desert alone would be unwise at best. Suicidal True. at worst. I mean, if I was going to trust anyone to do it, it would probably be her. Mm. But it sounds like we've got a starting point. Yes. Do we know what these cult robes look like? Yeah, what are their colors? Mm. I mean, I'm not sure, but if they're the uh, the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh or the Black Man or the Dark Man, I'm going to assume black. Black with a side of black. Certainly does make a great degree of sense. I would be really embarrassed if I got there and it was red, but I'm going <laughs> to assume black. <laughs> There'd be egg on my face. <laughs> well, the danger is that if they are doing this magic, they may insult us and then we will be cultists for real. But True. If we don't get close enough, then we can't slice off the head of the beast, as it were. 
Yeah, but the problem now is we do not actually know anything about this. What kind of magic, if we can counter it. We know that they're evil scientists. True. Which tells me nothing. That's not magic. <laughs> oh, yeah. But in fact, I think it's the exact opposite. <laughs> Unless it were sufficiently advanced, perhaps. <laughs> it might be indistinguishable. Maybe at that point. But um, I'm afraid my scientific mind is not... Um, <laughs> Not not uh, not present today, it seems. So, yeah. All right. Well, all we really know about them is they've got some sort of power of the mind. So, mm. maybe, or at the very least, they seem to be able to take the spark out of people's eyes. Really, don't like the sound of that. Yeah, I don't know Possib how much of this was lost in translation. Mm. Uh, possibly something to do with uh, Gaze Attack. I mean, there are magics that work on locking eyes with someone. Hmm, it's possible. My friend Sudi was petrified once. So was Hollis. Hmm. <laughs> he only had one eye, so... Ooh. Must be really effective. Hmm. Okay, here's an idea. Perhaps we, um, procure blindfolds. Then we go in blindfolded. Then they cannot do their sight-based attack. Once that be a little suspicious. Also, then if uh, somebody recognizes us and wants to attack us, we are vulnerable. Oh, I got it. Cultist robes, really big hoods. Now you're talking. Then we could just pull the hoods entirely down over our face. Mm -hmm. And I could fight them all blind. Wouldn't be the stupidest thing I've done. <laughs> there is another possibility. If it's hmm. not sight-based, it could be hearing-based. Something said to them that corrupts the mind and uh, blank their mm. eyes. Maybe we try an experiment. If they are scientists, we will experiment. Use their science against them. Something like that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really know science either. Eh. Or magic. Or mm. I, any combination of the two of those. I dabble a bit, but... Um... Did, did they say how long this uh, exhibition parade is? Uh, no, she got all glassy-eyed and stared off into space. Not helpful. All right. I get the feeling that they're going to science ex exhibitions instead of uh, sleeping. Mm. I think oh. we're just dealing with a whole bunch of scientists that are sciencing so much that no one sleeps. That sounds awful. Like some sort of like, like university full <laughs> of scientists. <laughs> And it's finals drinking week. Drinking nothing on finals week. Drinking nothing but coffee. <laughs> coffee and Red Bull, baby. Yes. We should wait until that they're finished with their finals. And then when they all crash from just the sugar dropping out from under them, then we get them. So that explains why we cannot see them. They are sleeping during the day like bats. Isaac yes. looks over at the server woman who's about to probably collapse from exhaustion. Do you think that that will happen before or after the townsfolk are unable to sleep? <sighs> Volta looks towards the stairs, back towards the two of you, leans in again. I know my father is set on this one course of action, and if we can find Sagira and secure this stone and all the rest of that, then great. Barring that, we might just have to kill this thing. I mean, nothing can't not be killed. Uh, well, given the behavior of Robert, he seems to think this um, creature is um, as powerful as a deity if it can heal you just by saying the name. So if this is true, we have not the magics to fight it at all. Yes. My father is also stressed that this is a... How did he put it when he was talking to the others? That the big guy has many names 
And all of these are his names, but all of them are not him. Hmm. That he has a human guise, but a thousand other forms that are manifestations of it. Kind of like so a deity as a herald. This would be like perhaps the left forefinger of the index, I suppose. And as right. such does not have quite the power of the full deity. Hand or, yes. I butchered that anatomy, by the way, but I also have no ranks in here. So. <laughs> My character is no. Eh, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure if Heather were here, she'd tell you exactly which of the phalanges that was. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> the only problem is this is all guesswork. We have nothing to go on with this. So if we are wrong, we are dead. I mean, how is that different from any other day? True. As the Frasmans say, today is a good day to die. <laughs> the Frasmans always are saying I th- that. I, th- I think the Frasmans also say, hopefully not today. Or some equivalent thereof. Is that what these I always get that confused? I don't know. They're such a sour bunch. Sunni <laughs> told me some of this Phrasman stuff once before, and it just... Whoosh, it makes a this gesture over his head. This is the single most like, clueless group of adventurers I've ever been The with. worst part is I actually do have a lot of ranks in religion, but it's just like at Phrasmans. Just none of us have any idea what's going on. Is this knowledge local? No? This okay. is why we fit in with Faltos so well, is because yeah. we too are clueless. <laughs> I say we just throw on some robes, head down to the market. Maybe we just hang out towards the back of the group, listen in on whatever's going on. Maybe one of us plugs their ears, maybe one of us covers their eyes, and maybe the third person doesn't do either. As like Mm. a, what do those uh, science wizards say? Control group. Yes. So which one of us is the control then? I mean, you did suggest it, Falto. I think you are are nominated. All right, right, fine. Brave Falto then will take the brunt of the... Psychic attack. Brave, yes. brave Sir Robin. <laughs> All right, Isaac, you cover your eyes, and Jean-Louis, you plug your ears. And I'll see if my father will both cover his eyes and plug his ears. That way we have all four combinations covered. <laughs> all right, we went full experiment right here, right? This is like scientific paper grade right here. It's going to be terrible when we find out that this is a fair Everybody get used smell to write, writing that the experiment did itself. <laughs> oh, no, smell we never <laughs> considered that. We never considered pheromones. Dang it! <laughs> we ran That's, out of people. But yes, I suppose uh, then we head there and try our best to concentrate on what's going on. And if we can meet up with Sagira, hopefully our combined forces will be enough to prevail. And if not, then we continue to look for her with this newfound information. I think that's the best we're getting. All right. It is a plan. Whether it's a good plan or not, we will see. The three of you pass the day by. Balto's father comes down, Robert joining you at some point, bringing a book down with him, goes over the plan with all of you. He is not okay with the idea of both covering his eyes as well as plugging his ears. Although he does inform you that if it is auditory, he can protect everyone. Is he going to drop a silence on us? Silence! Yeah. After that, I suppose you, uh, you eat dinner, make yourself comfortable. Falto goes out and, uh, and buys some black robes for all of you. You know, from the ye old black robes dealer. Actually, I was going to say, apparently a lot of merchants are selling these. They look to be some sort of hot ticket item right now. So I think we're right about the cult. Is that huh. we're right about the cult or they were on sale because no one wants to buy them in this heat? It's true. Maybe they're all wearing yellow. Ha! No. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> no. Nice. Got him. Wrong deity. Shake your no. fist up. Got <laughs> you relax. Eat. A rather delicious meal. Honestly, almost like taking turns 
like napping basically at the table mm-hmm. where it's just like everyone keep an eye on me and if I start twitching wake me up real fast <laughs> power naps for everybody so it's not like oh you know the priest jumps up to his feet and then like firestorms the far side of the room or something like flame strikes <laughs> especially if you had a nightmare bartender. you just wake up and it's like oh Abadar you owe me it's not as strong as coffee but I could get us all a spot of tea before we go oh I'd take some tea yeah fair enough I did not prepare enough that's our restorations to get us back into fighting form you and your magic. I did not think we were going to attack a cult in the middle of the night we'll get through this hmm. however we can I, I may be able to uh, help on that front. No, I can't. Never mind. Ah, very well. Well, here's your cup of tea, then. Enjoy. Ah, thank <laughs> you. I will say it is nice to have companionship again. Hmm. When I went out to the, the Black Fane the first time, it was good to have friends with me. Of course, Samir's possessed by a crazy monster now. Falto tells me Saposet is dead. Gerald is dead. I guess it is just just the three of you now. I know this is probably the furthest thing from your mind at the moment, but considering the extenuating circumstances, I might be willing to let you back in amongst the fold if you're interested. Or at least put in a word. <laughs> it's beyond my authority alone. Yeah, but your knowledge of the region could sway some people if they are not convinced by your heroism. Robert looks towards Falta. The two of them exchange a long look. Thank you, Mr. Bishop. It's not an exaggeration when I say that I haven't thought about what I would do after. I've spent so many years pursuing Samir and the Black Pharaoh. I'll take it in consideration. Of course. The offer is there, but no pressure, of course. Falto smiles and clasps a hand on his father's shoulder, swigging back the rest of his tea before probably making a sputtering noise since it had not cooled enough. (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm awake (laughs) well not the intended delivery method but i suppose it works falto nods reaches into his uh vest pocket pulls out a small flask takes a quick drink anybody else he offers it around isaac shrugs and takes a takes a sip at least a little kit for caden's luck Hmm. i mean john luisa again will shrug because he doesn't technically need to drink but Sure. You'll take a swing. <laughs> you can drink for pleasure, you know, if you want It's to. really one of those, like, literally he gets to choose when he eats and, and stuff. So, like, everybody's, like, in the road, like, with rations. He's like, nope, I'm just choosing not to eat. Take that. <laughs> Fine wine? Ah, yes. <laughs> the four of you finish your dinner. Stand up and set off as the night begins to fall. Again, the temperature drops sharply after sunset. Mm. It isn't uncommon in the desert, particularly this close to a body of water, for the temperature to drop. Although how quickly it does is shocking for all of you. You throw on your ropes over your armor and weapon, your gleaming mithril hidden beneath this, because obviously <laughs> most people would probably be a little suspicious of a bunch of dudes covered in mithril. And somehow also probably covering all of our backpacks and such that mark us as adventurers. Four hunchbacks make their way through the streets. <laughs> you set off navigating through the city streets now that night has fallen the streets are quiet other than the wind the occasional flapping of loose tent flaps the grunting of distant camels sometimes loudly when they suddenly wake up from a nightmare ah they're nightmaring too that's so (laughs) rude the only creatures seemingly immune to this are the the pleasant fat cats which lounge in the the shadows of the buildings hmm that's on brand. They're not even there. They watch you go by. 
with their luminescent eyes. Mm. You make your way through the city streets before reaching the market of Nanken. For a long moment, you probably stand just inside of the market's entry, next to a large pillar covered in hands that have been knelt to it of thieves. Yep. Okay. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a thing they do here. Yeah. We got to see what happens when they get reanimated by a couple, so. Oh, yeah. no. They pull themselves off of the nails. It's I think somebody funny. got choked by, a, like, a hand. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You wait for a long time until even the faintest light from the western horizon has faded. Standing here in the darkness, it's then that the procession begins. At first, it's a trickle. One or two people making their way in from the surrounding streets. Some wear robes, somewhat even akin to yours. Others come as they are. Some, the poor, the destitute, cloak themselves in their tattered, worn blankets to provide some protection as the evening's chill sets in. As time passes, though, throngs of men and women plod their way into the market. There's a sound that comes with them. It's whispering, you know. But here it almost sounds like this throng of serpents in this empty marketplace. Some people speak animatedly, whispering, gesturing, reading them even as you do from this distance. You can tell maybe one of them, the person speaking, is eager, is a convert. Their friends, however, seem to be suspicious or afraid, but still going along. I think it is time for us to blend and deafen ourselves. All right. So, grab some wax, pop it in my ears. Are you going to pull down your hood, Russ? Yeah, I guess I'll pull my hood down low. Yes. <laughs> Hold on to, I guess, Falto, or I don't know. This is my elderly grandfather. Don't mind him. <laughs> he carries that bow everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he still thinks he's in a war, I think. We should probably go join the rest of them. Mm. Also leans over to uh, Jean-Louis, just kind of, you know, pats his shoulder and then, like, gestures to everyone, like, everyone in your group, and then points towards the crowd. Jean-Louis will nod and then, like, kind of guide Isaac forward. You make your way forward. What? <laughs> to the, uh, into the crowd. You can see the people still animatedly speak. And almost in unison, they turn. Ooh, that's creepy. Not towards a person, but simply east. The crowds begin to plod their way, numbering scores. There must be a hundred people here. A hundred and fifty, maybe more. The crowds slowly make their way. Go ahead and give me a perception roll from, uh, let me, uh, let me see what stuffing wax in your ears does to your perception when you're listening. I think it's Hold on. pretty bad, probably like a minus five. <laughs> We're just talking earplugs. Which I don't know if you actually bought actual earplugs, um, though they're three copper. I mean, actually, for three copper, I could have, I guess. I mean, you had time to go buy some earplugs. Plus two bonus on saves uh, against effects that require hearing. Minus five penalty, you were exactly right, on hearing-based perception checks. Boom. Okay. So go ahead and give me a perception roll from the two of you. All right, minus five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I roll a 14 for a 16. I roll a natural one for an 18. Golf clap for you, good sir. Good job. <laughs> it's just as men, we can celebrate our failures. Woo! You make your way. The crowd still whispers energetically towards one another. As you press forward, though, 
the crowd grows more and more silent. Eventually, in short order, you've reached the eastern gate of the city. The guards watch the throng approach and then turn and open the gate. Oh, they've been ensorcelled as well. Like cattle, you squeeze your way through the small gate exiting the city. And get an idea that this was a bad idea. And then you enter into the hinterlands. You make your way further, deeper into the desert. You travel for some time, long enough that you start to feel uncomfortable. It's only slowly that you perceive the drop in temperature. Probably the first time that Jean-Louis looks down, exhales, and sees a small puff of white. Dang, it's cold. Do either of you uh, have nature or survival? If no. by survival, do I have ranks in it? No. Do I have a bonus in it? Yes. Yeah. So I will roll it untrained. Yeah, I mean, I guess I believe I it's an untrained survival. skill. Yes. Uh, so I rolled a 15 track, so. for a 22. Yeah, I rolled a 14 for a 50 on survival, but 22 definitely beats me. Having eyes Very helps. Well. Mm. You continue to pull it along, and Jean-Louis, you look up, watch the crowds look over their heads towards the distance. You can see that you're approaching someplace. A small tributary of the river winds its way past off towards your right. A few palms grow along its edge, and ahead you can see what looks to be maybe some sort of temple complex. Not large. Impressively enough, you'd say probably maybe some 50 or 60 feet wide. Maybe two or three times that in length. As you look up Hovering above this is the moon, tinted oddly green, as it shines down over you and your companions. Something is wrong. As you look up towards the sky, you look about, there's this strange haze, almost like a heat distortion in the sky. As the throng begins to approach the gate to this temple, you realize what's been bothering you. Sinosure, the North Star isn't there. Oh, dang. These stars aren't right. Oh, nuts. Three hooded cloaked figures stand at the entrance to the temple between two statues of sphinxes. Rows of sphinxes lead up to this from the river's edge, and four obelisks surround the entrance to this temple. Beyond the wide gate, you can see what looks to be a larger courtyard beyond, leading up to the main temple itself there's an odd you can literally only describe it as electricity in the air and this humming sound like a mosquito but larger somehow contained in the structure ahead of you the procession begins to make their way in past the three priests as you get a few feet further away still maybe a good 30 feet off from them Standing in the light of the four braziers, which provide the only illumination here, other than this sickly moon overhead, one of the figures raises up a hand, a hand covered entirely in bandages, not like a mummy, not emaciated, but maybe like a leper. Ew. The crowds fall silent. Those inside the courtyard, already kneeling in supplication towards something at the far end of the large courtyard. You can't see it from here. A statue, maybe? But the three figures stare into the crowd. One of them steps forward. You should not be here. Its voice has an odd resonance to it. 
like it's coming to you from further away than the creature is. It is not yet your time. Something bothers both of you. And after a moment, you realize what it is. You are hearing this in your native tongue. Have they stopped us specifically, or are we still in kind of a crowd? You're still in the crowd, although oddly the crowd starts to, like, almost part. Imperceptible at first until you realize that you're standing in a mostly open thoroughfare. The three raise their arms in unison to point at the four of you. Oh, we have been made. You should not be here. The stars are not right. Falto looks over his shoulder back towards the two of you, his father further behind in the congregation. Time for the dashing part. Falto turns back and pulls his hood back. I'll pull my hood back as well. Good evening. Seriously. I am Falto. These are my compatriots. Uh, We're here to speak to the man in charge. Samir? The three figures lower their arms. Killing them will not undo the progress that we've made. The other one nods. Perhaps they were meant to die here. The third one looks towards the four of you. Regardless, the strands of fate have led them here, and we must be their undoing. The figures turn in unison as there's an odd clicking sound. They move forward in a way that is unnatural. Ah, Their legs seem to work or move in ways that should not be possible for human legs. Oh, no. And I will need initiative from the party. Oh, no. Oh, God, there was no next time. There was no next time. No, nope. it's happening now. Oh, no. <laughs> it's happening now in real time. And for once, I wanted the next time. So it's like, wait, there's only two of us. Yeah, it's some exactly. NPCs. I was like, I know we're a party of four, and technically that makes a party, but still, one of us is an old man who hasn't had combat in who knows how long. <laughs> one of us is Falto. It's true. You haven't seen Falto fight since, uh, I think, Maybe. when he helped try to save. Uh, book two? Yeah. Yeah, I think book two. So uh, he better put on, have put on some levels or we are toast. Uh, I wouldn't count us out quite yet, old friend. I do believe we have miscalculated. Perhaps, but it is three on four. The numbers are in our favor. And all of these people, they're just going to watch. Probably. Well, if they're controlled by a cult, let's not kill anybody. I don't plan on it. These guys, though, he gestures to the three ahead of, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of crazy monster thing. So, I'm pretty uh, sure yeah. we're not on Galarian anymore, is there? The styles are all wrong. Well, that's, yeah, that's what that guy said, too. Yeah. He did indeed, and, um... I have nothing. So let's go ahead and get some initiative here. Jean-Louis Rousseau. Ho, ho, ho! I roll a 12 for a 14. 14? I apologize for my pronunciation, any of our French listeners out there. I'm mm. almost positive we're mispronouncing this. <laughs> Sorry, this is the way I learned it in college. <laughs> I can't want to say Jean-Luc. Mm. I, I, yeah, no, that might have been, that, there may or may not have been a nod to that. <laughs> Isaac Bishop. Well, um, my dice are going all over the place today, so I roll an 18 for a 26 initiative. Nice. Get Yeah. Em. I'm ready. Stuff them full of arrows. Bring out trainer John Doe. <laughs> Be everybody's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's not going to land for anybody who isn't a Patreon supporter. That's true. Mm-hmm. Falto is rocking in with a 17. Okay. It's respectable. Robert coming in with a 12. 
And the cultists. Coming in with a one. Nope, not quite. As the three creatures move forward, you can see the light from the brazers play over them. Again, they're mostly clothed, covered from head to toe. But from what you can see above the vels that obscure the lower portion of their face, you can see the sickly yellow skin with what almost looked to be maybe this model pattern and bright yellow eyes. Something moves where its mouth should be. Like there's something underneath the veil that you can't see. Oh, crud. I might know what these are. Like Jordan knows, not Jean-Louis. Jean-Louis. I have my suspicions. Aye, aye, aye. No idea what's going to happen. Combat begins. Well, okay, that I knew was going to happen. Right. Let's begin. Again, the cultists have scattered, so the cultists uh, do not count as difficult terrain or anything like that. They're more or less diving out of your way now as these monsters are closing in on you. Fun times. So uh, Isaac will go on ahead and, as a move action, draw his... Yes, draw his longbow. I'll stay right where I am at the moment. I would like to recall knowledge on whatever these are, if this is enough for me to do so. You may do so. Uh, you may make me a nod to the planes. I would love to. Oh, look at that. Got some knowledges. I know. I hey. actually know things about some things. Probably not this, though, because I roll a four, so I get a total of a 20. A 20 is enough to recognize this thing. Cool. This is a creature referred to as a denizen of Ling. These eerie denizens travel the universe from their strange homeland of Ling, walking uncontested only when they disguise themselves as humans by wearing loose-fitting robes and wrappings around the head and face. Under these disguises, they have horned brows, clawed fingers, mouths full of tentacles, and crooked goatish legs with cloven hooves. Many scholars have argued over where the otherworldly realm of Ling lies. Some believe it to be found among the outer planes, while others are convinced that it can be reached via the dimension of dreams. The denizens of Ling can travel to other planes freely and do so in strange black ships that constantly seek new breeds of slaves or trading rubies for unusual services or magical treasures. At other times, their visits are more violent, focusing on abducting victims for use as slaves or worse. Neat. As a side note, Ling is oftentimes referred to as the Nightmare Plateau of Ling. Woo! Yeah, unfortunately, other than the fact that they are chaotic, evil, extraplanar outsiders, you know nothing else about them. These are the denizens of Ling. Their very beings are evil. They're anathema to everything that's good and green on Galarian. Isaac will move to draw a single arrow as one magically appears on his bow. Oh, dang! Yeah! <laughs> Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, endless ammunition. Well, there's a flash of light as an arrow appears as you knock your bow back. He'll take aim at the one directly north of him, which I believe has been marked red. Yes. All right. And fire. I'm not within point blank shot range. However, I roll a 16 for a 32 to hit the creature. <laughs> wow. A 32 will hit. Hit Color the target in next, into next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then that will get me a total of 12 points of damage as the arrow flies in. Ouch. A solid hit. The arrow thunks home. The creature rocks back from the impact. If pertinent, it does seem like your arrow fully affected him. Hey, that's good. I'm afraid we may be in their territory. Their terror? Okay. I'm assuming they're killable, right? They're mortal, yes, of a sort. As in enough violence will do the trick. Oh, well. I'm good at violence. Falto smiles. Bring us to Falto. Falto charges. <laughs> hey! Oh, Falto. 
uh, spinning his blade as he closes on them, drawing his weapon as part of his charge. Hey. And then sliding forward as he lunges and skewers ahead. Getting a... It's only a 23, as he rolls relatively poorly. However, that still does hit as he ramps his blade into this thing. Wow, nice. Nice. For 17 points of damage as his rapier slams into the core of this creature. Ow. <laughs> Jeez. He's, uh, he's one of those uh, precise striking swashbucklers now. Nice. So I can tell. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> From Falto, we go to the creatures. Uh-oh. The first one will step forward, lunges out at Falto. Actually, the first one steps forward and readies. The second one oh. just straight out attacks Falto, and we'll do a full attack. Mm. So rolls, also meaning that Falto rolls. So lunges to the attack before Falto parries, knocking him back as he punches him in the face with the basket of his sword. Ah, <laughs> yep. oh, dude, that's so cool. No, I like Swashbuckers. Perry and Repose. She's like, no, <laughs> no. Uh, rolls a 16 for that follow-up strike, which Sounds is good. a 32, which will hit threat. Nice. 33 to confirm, which will confirm his critical hit. Oh, man, oh, it's dear. the Rick dice luck. Oh, yeah. 52 will get through the mischance due to their unnatural anatomy or Ugh. unusual anatomy oh. uh, for, that, for that critical hit. Mm-hmm. 21 points of damage. Oh, Slices into him. Whoa. The creature stumbles back before clawing out at Falto with a 23, which will miss, and a perfect 20, which will hit threat. Oh. A 21 will fail to confirm against Falto. Nice. That's good. Still manages to score across the swashbuckler for six points of damage. That could have been worse. Yeah. The third one will step up into the flank against Falto, at which point the first one's ready to action goes off at a as it attacks his flanked foe. Yeah, now the not fun part comes. Mm. Biting out, although actually only with a 24, which will not strike Falto as he spins nice. out of the way, stumbling wow. back and shoving his buckler in the thing's face. <laughs> the go other Falto. one lunges to the attack. Uh, natural one will automatically miss the swashbuckler. Hey. Excellent. 22 will miss. That cannot roll up. Nice. Yep, there it goes. <laughs> That's a 28, which will hit. Boo. Mm. And as it is flanking, it now gets its sneak attack. Yeah. Boo. This one sounds like it might hurt. For 21 points of damage, <laughs> as the swashbuckler yeah. stumbles from the hit. Okay. Uh, a little tougher than I had uh, anticipated. Jean-Louis, I think you might need your help. Speaking of... Jean-Louis. Okay, uh, so I assume this was uh, covered in getting to know your adventuring party. What is Falto's alignment? Uh, you are aware that Falto is chaotic good. Good. Okay. Actually, him being good is him being good is good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry, you're aware that Falto is chaotic evil. <laughs> yeah, him being good is good. Him being chaotic not so good for me, but that's fine. Uh, Jean-Louis just kind of like throws back his robes, displaying his uh, Abadaran uh, cassock. Master of the First Vault, bring down your Holy Smite. I cast Holy Smite. All right. Now, yeah. if I read this correctly, it says 1d6 points of damage per caster level, maximum 10d6 to an evil outsider. They're outsiders. They are, in fact, outsiders of the evil subtype. Yay! And because he is good, it will not affect Falto. Mm, yep. So, 
Let me roll my 96. They do get a will save. DC uh, 21. Uh, sorry, my next question is, allows for spell resistance. Yes. Dang it. I will need you to roll for three spell resistances. Dang it. All right. Well, well, well fine. Well, uh, first first guy I rolled a two on, so that is <laughs> it's been a big old 13. Nope. All right. That is a 14 for a 25. That'll do. And an 11 for a 22. That will also do. Woo-hoo. All right. Two out, of, two out of three is not bad. Yeah. All right, they all get to make me a will save uh, for half and to not be blinded. Uh, The first one gets an eight. Failure, he is blinded. Second one, on the fence, 20 even. It's a 21, so he is also blinded, and they'll take full damage all 96. So a column of holy light descends from the heavens, lancing down before slicing into the center here. Rolling off of one of them like water, although the other two stumble back from the blast of holy flame. So that is 30 points of damage, and they are blinded for one round. Dear God. Boom! Boom, indeed, as a column of fire drops from the sky and strikes these two. I will then use my move action to uh, move, drawing my uh, mace just to have something. Yep, so you move 30 feet up, Falto's still a good five feet further away, standing in the center of this procession of uh, sphinxes. From there, we go to Robert, who shakes his shoulders and kind of like getting himself ready to fight despite his years of not fighting. (laughs) He will then use a move action to look over the group. We have this. Don't worry, focus on your friends and companions. Stride forward, strike quickly, and accurately. As he kicks in his perform oratory. Nice. That's what he is. To inspire his companions. Very nice. With a plus three to hit and damage as you feel this rush of courage roll into you. Oh dear God. (laughs) Nice. Love having a bard. He will then, not a good option for that right now because you guys are spaced. Better option for this gestures out with a hand as he calls upon his arcane power. So fortunately he does have spell penetration, uh, so that's still apparently I don't need it because I'm rolling amazingly for this guy. Uh, (laughs) 29 for the first will get through. That's a 32 for the second. God, Dang, nice. And a 22 for the third, all of which will succeed, requiring three will saves. That's a fell that is a fail. That is a success. As he gestures out with a hand, and the one to Falto's left and the one that had just attempted to strike him a moment before towards the center of the pack, each stumble step before slowing to half of their speed as they just nice. Well placed. Cards, man. I've been ready for this for some time. I believe it. I believe there's plenty of targets. Good sir, Bishop. He gestures a hand forward, bringing us to Isaac Bishop. Isaac will continue to play his uh, longbow like a lute and start firing <laughs> arrows like death. crazy. <laughs> All right. I will rapid shot with our new fun bonuses uh, directly. Nice. Let's start with the, the heavily wounded blind one uh, on, <laughs> on, on Falto's right. Oh dear God, why? Okay, well. 
Plus three uh, to hit. The, well, the first shot, despite rolling a six, is still a 23, actually. That will strike your target as it sells across the distance, slamming into your slowed foe. Very well. Uh, dealing, oh, plus three to that. So 12 points of damage. A telling hit as an arrow strikes home into your opponent. The second attack, um, let's see here. I rolled a five with the penalties uh, for the second attack. It's going to be a 16. Uh, a 16 would perfectly hit your blinded, slowed opponent. Nice. <laughs> Minus one AC one. also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I almost feel bad. Almost. No. Almost. Uh, <laughs> no feeling bad for denizens of Lang. Roll the two, which still gets me 10 points of damage, so... Nice. A solid hit as your arrow thunks in. And for my last attack, it was a natural one, so that will automatically Ow. miss. Nope. So, I'll take a five-foot step forward. <sighs> Missed with that last one. Maintain your focus. You have all Good the time points. in the world. From there, we go to Falto. Falto will... He's just going to stand his ground there. Yeah. These other two are blinded right now, so... Well, it hardly seems fair, but he spins his rapier before diving <laughs> to the attack against the one that he stabbed the first time. Yes! Mm. Yes! Stabbing out with his... Uh, yeah. May have flubbed that last turn, but I'll get better at that. Uh-oh. So he does stab out, striking with his rapier, scoring a hit with a 27. Nice. That is... Almost a critical. Aww. Stabbing home. I apologize. Last turn, I forgot that I also need to roll every time that he does his precision strike damage because it is considered to be precision damage, like sneak attack. Oh, that and is therefore, true, also, yeah. the usual anatomy applies. Mm -hmm. uh, still, however, does manage to get through that striking home for 14 points of damage. He stabs like, again. Finding our spleens. <laughs> How do you intuitively know where our lung is? Falto. It's just Falto it's power. Falto, man. All right, so that's a hit. That is a threat. Come on, Falto. That is a confirmed critical if he gets through the 50% mischance on that. All oh. right. Oh. Of which he does not. Oh. Even his luck has to run out at some point. Yeah. But you know what? He did just get a panache point back, so he'll go ahead and spend a panache point. Ooh. Uh, so swift action, he'll go ahead and spend a panache point to double his precision damage on the strike as he dives to the four. Ooh. <laughs> Striking out and actually has to roll to see whether or not that gets through. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, 71 will. Hey. So his blade does score striking home for striking home for 24 points of damage. How? Nice. The creature goes down in a heap as his blade slams through the center of its chest. Nice. Bravo, Falto. Ah, just took a couple of seconds there. Inner bits are in weird places, it seems. He will take a five-foot step to the side, stepping out of the flank, even though one of them's blinded, bringing us to the other denizens. You would note that both of them stand. One of them, you know, the fire burns across his body, seem to, like, undulate as they begin to close up, and the other one, an arrow just pops out of his chest before clattering to the ground as they continue regenerating. Don't remember reading about that bit. One of them's blind until Jean-Louis's turn. Hmm. Um, he will but go ahead and blindly bite out at Falto. That is a miss due to the mischance. Oh. Blindly claw, that is a miss due to the mischance. Uh-oh. Blindly claw, that is a 21, which is just a miss. 
the other one will take a very slow five foot step <laughs> and then a very slow spite with his <laughs> tentacle mouth. Sad. However, that is still 28, which will strike the swashbuckler. Ooh. He's got the... Yep. So he is going to attempt to parry. He does need to get a 28 to parry this, and Falto manages a 31. Nice! No! Wow. Parrying the hit and then striking back. Jeez. Falto. Just a lean, mean, lane-killing machine. Yeah, he's burning through a lot of panache, but he's also getting panache back, although he failed that critical. He's getting, he's getting it. Still managed to lash back out, stabbing into the thing for... Let me get, see if it gets through the... 92 gets through the unnatural anatomy, stabbing it for... That's, 17 points of damage as he counterattacks. Ow. <sighs> All right, well, this is getting things going. Although, to be perfectly honest, between the blindness and the slow slowness, this doesn't really seem fair. I wouldn't complain if I were you, Falta. Yes, son, let's keep this going. Jean-Louis. Okay, seeing as how we're actually doing pretty darn okay, Jean-Louis will change <laughs> his plans because he's not going to bother healing Falta because Falta's just killing it out here. Going down. I, like, I like that. I'm not going to bother healing Falto because he's doing good. <laughs> he's doing all right. Um, he hasn't taken any damage in a bit. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, I don't think I need to use another spell, even though I've got some really cool stuff I could use on these guys, but probably some more stuff to do. Uh, let's see. I drew my mace as I was approaching. I will take a move action to uh, equip my shield. All right my light steel shield and take a five foot step to the blind denizen and go ahead and take a swing at him because i'm getting inspired so why not very well you step up all right that is a 15 for a 24 you step forward swinging out as you strike the denizen all right for six points of damage a solid hit did you include the plus three? Oh no i didn't so that's nine points of damage hey an even more solid hit. Yeah. <laughs> Robert nods from behind you. Good form, boy. Good form. From there we go to Robert. He will continue his bardic performance. He has to watch that because he only has 28 rounds left today. Mm. You guys are doing pretty good against these things, so he's not too immediately concerned. Though that could change at the drop of a hat. They aren't people, so that doesn't work. Bard's enemy, non-people and hecklers. So non-people. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Boom. That one is no longer blind. It also isn't slowed. It's true. Yep, so he'll continue the performance. He'll use a move action to pull out his crossbow. He'll use a second action to load his light crossbow. But in the meantime, he's just going to keep providing the bardic performance. And he'll take a five-foot step forward. Mm. Isaac Bishop. I will continue to gun turret forward. Um, scooting and shooting. <laughs> <laughs> the rootin' tootin' fastness shooting is uh, whatever you are. Yeah. Yep, the old step and shoot. Yep, take a five-foot step forward and keep firing. I believe the uh, the one facing off against uh, Jean-Louis is uh, within your 30-foot point blank. Yes, and that was the one I was going to target. The point so, of blank pew, shot. Pew. Let us go on ahead and do the weirdest mixture of rolls I have seen in a while. Uh, first tag is <laughs> natural a natural one. Natural 20, one. natural one. Called <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it. The next attack's a natural twenty. Was it? It was a natural one. No, but it goes up to an eight. Oh, which is a seventeen, eighteen to strike. I think he's not slow or blind though. No, nope, an eighteen will not strike your target. 
All right. Uh, last one was a 17 uh, that I rolled, which uh, oh. gets me a 34 to strike in the last one. A 34 will strike. I was really hoping it would. Because, <laughs> oh, God, I laughed why? if it was like 1, 10, 20 or something like that. Where it's that would have like, been great. <laughs> yeah. My dice are just all over the place today. It's like they're dice or something. We had that one time that everyone rolled a natural 20. I've been waiting for the one time everyone rolls a natural 1. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Will, we will lose our minds, just like we well, did with the with me 20s. here, the chances go up dramatically, so... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Now, like, when they, when Ross is here, usually there's five people, so, I mean, the odds mm. of it technically go down. Technically, the no. best chance to have both, like, everybody roll a natural one is right now, when there's only two the two of us. Sure. You have forgotten my curse, though, and uh, uh, <laughs> I roll a four on damage, which altogether gets me 12 points of damage to the one facing Jean-Louis... Still a solid hit as the arrow sinks home. Just go down. Hmm. I swear. From there, we go to Falto. It will take a five-foot step sliding to the side, stepping into the flank with oh. Jean-Louis. Flanking. You know, I've never really fought with you guys before, but this seems like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> Why are people always mocking the Pathfinders for our teamwork skills? <laughs> I, have, I haven't the foggiest, to be honest with you. This is the cooperate part of whatever our three things are that we always say. Report, explore, cooperate. Yes. That. <laughs> I've always been bad at the report side of it. That is my specialty. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, he'll yes. step to the side with the flank, getting a 22, which will strike his target. Nice. And the 86 gets through the protection against precision damage. Nice. And then that means... 18 points of damage with a plus three from the Bardic performance. Nice. God. First edition swashbucklers. I was going to say, yeah. Falto's carrying this pretty good Beasts. right now. Falto yeah. then stabs a second time, striking with a 21 even with the flank, which will strike his target. Nice. Although a 36 means he will not get his precision damage. Boo. Mm. Still manages nine points of damage as his blade pierces through the back of this thing, spraying some sort of oddly colored fluid over Jean-Louis before the thing collapses. One remains. The third one looks between the four of you, turns slightly in place, and then in a way that makes all of you somewhat nauseous, seems to fold in on itself as it disappears from sight. Can I spellcraft what that that You can make was? a spellcraft if you so wish. As I try not to vomit from the wrongness. It's almost like vertigo inducing. Like for a moment, you looked down a massive height, despite Yikes. the fact that you're looking forward. I'll take that perfect 20 for a 27, though. That would be a plane shift. Spiff. Falto lowers his blade. Well, all in all, I think that that went pretty well. Well, that one just plane shifted away. So. Not here anymore. It is not here, but it could still be alerting its master. Well, if this is the worst that we have to worry about. Uh, don't jinx us. It can always From behind Falto, in the structure, there is the sound of a deafening explosion. Speaking of things getting worse. And we'll pick it up here next time. Oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. man, we finished the combat and then it's we'll see you next time. Oh, no, I wanted I wanted to see what happens when Jordan and Ross are forced into a fight by themselves. We did pretty good! We survived. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. 
Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.